Episode 261, The Rant, Mike Kaplan, head coach of the Varsity Girls basketball team at Huntington High School, head trainer of East Fitness, Long Island. Another day at Sousa Sports, another athlete doing burpees, squats, and medicine ball work, all under Mike's watch. In this pod, we discuss his early life playing basketball, getting into coaching early, and training athletes from the middle school level, collegiate level, and pros on the daily. All that and more, my conversation with Mike, now. The Rant has been brought to you by Geo Studios, now open. They are located one block south of Westbury Train Station in the heart of Long Island, New York. Looking to bring your art or event to life? Trying to record a podcast? Enjoy six rooms of studio space to create audio and visual content. It also includes an 800-square-foot cyclorama wall studio, a state-of-the-art recording studio, three breakout rooms for four to six people each, which include a green room and lounges, a quality surround sound with six speakers and studio lighting, and most importantly, two on-site restrooms. You know I need my restrooms. Book your space today. For more information, find us at geoevents.com. The Rant has been brought to you by the revolutionary product for referees and all professionals alike, Neat Tucks. What the tuck? Traditional shirt stays have been tried and true, but never accounted for those professionals that have shorts as uniforms. What do you do when you officiate soccer or lacrosse or even basketball in the summer? Don't forget about baseball umpires, too. Enter knee tucks, which come in style and active versions. Don't get it twisted. You can even wear them at your 9 to 5, too. Listeners of The Rant can visit neatux.com and enter the coupon code REFEREERANT, one word, and receive 20% off your initial order. That's referee rant, one word. Happy tucking. Welcome to another edition of The Rant. I'm your host, Ralph the Ref. I'm with a super special guest in Suksa Live. A lot of things going on. Basketball's going on. Training's going on. Uh, trainer for East, held under the uh, Sousa umbrella, also the head coach of the girls' varsity basketball team at Huntington High School, Mr. Mike Kaplan. How are you, my friend? My man, thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, man. It's been a while because we've been playing phone tag for like a month now. Yeah, schedule's <laughs> crazy. You know, just, just, just crazy times right mm-hmm. now. At this time, we're taping this on, what, October 21st. Uh, Jalen would have been uh, posted by the time you, everyone listens to this. And I remember you photobombed us and yeah, you were yeah, doing yeah. a little story thing. But I'm happy that you're on. Nonetheless, welcome to the show, man. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So how did you find out about Referee Rant? Was that that moment when you found out or you already was following everything? And kind of heard about it. And then when Jalen was here, you know, and then I, I looked more into it. I saw you, saw you have some great guests. You know, you just do a great job with the podcast. So, you know, I'd love to be interested and you know, be involved in it. Yeah. And, you know, first of all, I want to thank you for all of the contributions that you've had. And and it's really cool that you're still being involved with all the kids with the training aspect of it. But um, obviously the coronavirus, we just talked off air about what your season is going to be like. I I, I referee in the Nassau board and I just don't know if that's if anything's happening. And I also coach at 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 Kellenberg and, you know, how your season, you're you're telling me that you're not sure maybe January 4th, everything's going to start. But I know for my school in basketball, it's like a 300-people lecture hall. So yeah. I just don't see the Madison Square Garden pyrotechnic crew yeah. breaking in, breaking it down, then, then starting school again. So um, what I wanted to ask you is, and I know everything's so different, how are you holding up during this whole coronavirus thing? How's your family doing? And back in March, when was the moment that you took all this, like, really serious? Yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely a wild experience in the beginning. I mean, I was literally home for three months straight. Like, we didn't leave the house. 
you know, I got I got three kids, three and under, so I was staying busy where a lot of people at home, a lot of these kids were just bored out of their mind because they couldn't do anything. Um, I was staying busy just in the house. If it was nice out, we'd go outside, do something just to get outside. You know, but once the numbers started going up and you saw so many deaths, it just got scary. So, you know, there's so much unknown. You didn't know, you know, what was real, what wasn't real. And, you know, you just wanted to be careful in the beginning. But then eventually, you know, we had to get out of the house, had to get back to some normalcy. Right. You know, I got to make a living. And we opened back up and it's been the, probably the busiest it's ever been. Mm. One, because there's no school sports. Kids just want to get out of the house and, and do something active. Parents want them out of the house because they're, they're in school, but they're home. You know, a lot of them aren't physically in school. They're, they're doing it online. So they might be in school from 7, 8 in the morning until 3, but they're sitting on their couch or in their bedroom doing it. You know, so the parents want them out. Kids want to get out. They're just, they want to do something that's, you know, normal. So we have a lot of teams that have been coming and just a lot of kids, you know, that want to come and work out and just exercise. Yeah, that's the after effect. You talked about how we got Sachem East out here um, practicing because their facility is completely not open. And those after effects, it kind of like was a benefit to me because I was able to not referee and make this website and everyone was available. And now you see all these kids still trying to stay in shape, even though we're still unsure if there's going to be a season. So I would say around Memorial Day was when everything kind of felt different. Everyone was like, you know what, F this. I'm just going to go out. Was that around the time when the training started picking up and then you started leaving the house and everything? Yeah, I mean, once camps are allowed to open because of our facility, we were allowed to start doing stuff, you know, which is really cool for the kids. They were all excited. I mean, literally people were calling me, texting me every single day that first month. Hey, can we get in? Hey, can we get in? I just... I was just trying to be safe, keep them safe, and, mm-hmm. you know, we stayed away. But once that time came that they, they allowed camps, New York State allowed camps to open, we kind of went under the camp umbrella and we ran some camps here, and then it just kind of took off from there. All the college kids are home. Um, a lot of them went back later than they normally would. Some went back earlier. So it was just a, a different time, but the kid just wanted to get out of the house, to be honest. Yeah. In terms of your basketball team, were you still connected? Did you guys do any type of Zoom meetings in yeah. the beginning and all that? Yeah, we had we had some Zoom meetings. We, we really wanted to start doing stuff with them, but we're just not allowed to. You know, with our school rules and everything, we can't do anything until possibly November where we're going to have some preseason conditioning, but it just hasn't been approved yet by the school. So everything's kind of up in the air. And that's kind of where everything is. There's just so much unknown that you know these kids just want to stay ready because you never know when they're going to get that call that hey you're going to start your season in two weeks so we just try telling the kids just stay ready because you never know and even if you don't play this year you're still you know getting in better shape preparing yourself for you know next year right you you never know do you take it kind of day by day or you're itching to go back on the court oh no i'm ready (laughs) if you told me we could go right now we'd, we'd start today it's hard you know and you see other teams coming here doing stuff and there's just so much inconsistency that the rules yeah. aren't the same for everyone across Suffolk County, Long Island, you know, New York State, how, you know, however you want to break it down. Everyone's doing something different. You know, some of the Catholic schools are allowed to do stuff. Some of the high schools are allowed in their school. Some aren't. Some rent facilities. Some can't do anything. Some coaches are going outside to parks. You know, it's just, it's just a different time. And, you know, I just got to stay patient and, you know, follow the rules, I guess, to what we're going to be allowed to do. Yeah. And... There's a lot of talk about a second wave coming. I just think that it's just been redistributing yeah. around the United States. It really hasn't left. And, of course, we're, we're just, like, in completely a, a fatigued time, right? right? We're, just, we're just completely t- – I know I'm tired of it. Yeah. Everything is just really weird. Yeah. Do you think we're going to have a season, if you had a guess? Or? I don't know. I mean, my heart probably saying yeah, but in my head, I don't know. I mean, for the kids, you know, for those seniors that, 
this could be their last year, especially the ones that you know aren't even basketball players per se. They might be going to college for other sports. This will be like last time playing, you know, high school basketball. For them, I really want it, but I just don't know how you do everything. You know, from the bus rides to the JV and varsity together. Some schools, you know, don't have the budget for two buses. You only have one bus, and now you have to socially distance. And now you might need three buses for two teams, which costs more money. There's just so much more into it than just the basketball aspects. And then you know, having their parents come, fans. You know, how does that work? How do you play? Do you have to wear masks? Do you don't wear masks? I just don't know how it works. You're you're all <laughs> yeah. over each other. You're sweating. You're breathing. I mean, you can't you can't change the way you play, but I don't know how you how you do it and follow the the rules of socially distancing and right. wearing a mask and playing a sport. Right. Just, and to me, all the sports are the same. There's no difference from one to the other. It's just you know, sports are sports. You're playing. You're running into each other. You're breathing on each other. You're sweating. So if one could play, I think they all should. But I, I just don't know how they're gonna they're gonna do it. Right, and just you just rattled off like endless variables, <laughs> yeah. and we could just go through the whole rabbit hole. But what do you think you learned about yourself during this whole time of pause? Definitely, it was nice in a sense to to have a break because I'm constantly just on the go, twenty four seven, training, coaching. So it was nice to just be home with the with the family and literally have nothing to do. I mean, wake up and you don't have anywhere to rush to or go to just kind of enjoy the family time and just enjoy being home and not having to worry about going from A to B to C to D and, you know, rushing back home and running around where, you know, I literally wake up and it was kind of like, what do you want to do? Right. And you couldn't leave the house, so it was, it was just hard. But we, had, we made fun of it and, you know, got to hang out with my family, so that was the most important thing. Now that we're, you know, back in the real world, it's, I'm kind of ready for that one day to just do nothing again but I love what I do and I get to wear t-shirt shorts every day and you know work with kids which is you know what I love and you know some high level kids here so it's a lot of fun helping them reach their goals yeah it's very clear that you are in love with this because I, I could every time I'm looking at your posts I'm like you're at the same place yeah. you're doing the same thing and, it, and for that type of repetition you got to love it you got to be somebody that is ready to work in and out and of course you got that love from somewhere uh, just talk about where did you grow up? What did you play growing up? What did you play in middle school, high school, and in college? Yeah, so, I mean, I, I pretty much played every sport. Basketball is my favorite, but I did. I played soccer, played basketball, baseball. I switched over to track in high school because I was I could jump really high. Where so did you go to high coaches, school? Oh, right, right here in Comac. I switched over to track, did some high jump, long jump, stuff like that, some sprints. But I was so busy with basketball, it was kind of hard to do any other real school sports because I played AAU. And then I played upstate at SUNY Brockport, which, you know, was unbelievable. We made it to the Elite Eight, Sweet 16. Just loved the sport. loved working out. And, you know, it's cool because I got to tell these kids, because a lot of these kids don't understand how hard it is to play at that Division three level, how good, you know, some of these kids are. You know, I tell the story all the time. My first day we had open run at Brockport, and I was a freshman. You know, I thought I was so good, you know, playing in Long Island. We went up there. And there's a senior who's from Rochester City, and he led the, the country in steals. And he picked me up 94 feet, and I was like, I got the ball at half court, and I never, I, I was so out of breath. <laughs> I was like, this is college basketball? You know, it was, it was definitely a humbling experience, and you really see, you know, how good kids are. And then you just got to learn to be patient and learn from the older guys and, you know, eventually get your time to play. But it was definitely a rude awakening on how good some of these Division three players are and, just how athletic, physically strong they are and skilled. So it was definitely a, a good time. 
How did you get your athletic fix after you finished college? Did you end up straight going to coaching? Technically, I so I, I used to always work at camps in the summer. But being a college kid, it was never consistent. You'd work a week, then not work a week. And, you know, so my parents were like, you have to do something else. So I actually started training at a, a place that was all one-on-one training. My friend worked there. And I was like, I like training. I'll just get into it. And it was mainly adults, 30-minute sessions. Long story short, one of the people I trained was a, a doctor here in Huntington whose daughter played at Harborfield. AU team, the coach um, was a father of the team. They didn't want to follow coaching anymore. He said, hey, would you want to do it? You know, I mean, it might have been 500 bucks. I don't even remember what it was. He's like, it's not going to be much money, but we could give you something. Would you be interested in coaching? So I thought about it. You know, at the time, I was a college kid. So to me, I never thought about coaching, you know, high school girls basketball. Did it. We turned the whole team around. We ended up doing really well in tournaments. And the Harbor Fields head coach used to come to the tournaments. That summer, their JV coach left. So for that next season, he had an opportunity for me to coach, so he offered me the JV job at Harbor Fields, and then that's kind of how it went Went from there with coaching. Just an opportunity that a parent asked me if I wanted to do, and then I enjoyed coaching the girls, and I did the Harbor Fields for three years, and then the Huntington job opened. The AD there, I knew, because at the time, Huntington and Harbor Fields were huge rivals. I took, the, I took the job there, and then Huntington moved to a bigger school. I've been there, this is my 11th year, I believe, 11th or 12th season coaching at Huntington. That longevity is something serious. This would have been my 20th year coaching yeah. volleyball. Yeah. And same thing, I, I kind of just got into it. By yeah. I just wanted Jordans. Yeah, exactly. That's it. So I just went into the AD's <laughs> office. He was like, all right. And I never thought what it would become. Right. And that longevity is something like crazy. And, you know, truth be told, in the beginning, I was doing basketball. The only thing I didn't like about that is, like, I felt like I wasn't being myself. I felt like I was yelling too much. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. understanding the substitution patterns. Do you remember your first experience coaching? Yeah. It's a whole different world now coaching than 15 years ago, just with how you do everything. But even when I was a JV coach, I was I was much different than I am as a varsity coach. Even when I was I was a JV coach and then I was a varsity assistant, the cool assistant, that was fun. And, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Everyone likes the assistant because you're not the one making the decisions of who's playing, who's not playing. Right. Then when you became the head coach, it's a different different role. You're not necessarily the friend. You're more just teaching them and, and it's picking who's playing and who's not. So right. you're kind of the bad guy and the good guy in the same sense. But I definitely changed over the years. When I first started out, I was definitely much stricter and, like you said, I was more adamant. Now I try to be better with it just because it's a different era kids respond differently so I try to adapt to the the time but yeah I remember my first few years coaching JV you know in a small little gym in the back of the school it was it was a good experience let's go let's talk about that adaptation because I completely understand what you were saying so like around 15 years ago I, I think about when I was coaching you know kids were just different yeah. you know like they didn't have the same just like now I can just think about when when text messaging got big and then like Twitter got big and you could see like within the water breaks, they're like looking at their right, phone. Right, right. And then even sometimes like when we go into these tournaments, it's like anytime right. that they can get a little selfie going on, it's like you can't like fight it right, because right. you just got to embrace exactly. it. And you it's gotta, one of those things like, adapt. what do you think of the challenges of, of coaching today's kids? We used to the same thing. We would, you know, everything's in the locker room and then you come out to practice, you know, now, kids leave everything in the locker room and bring their cell phone out and you know so we have rules where you know everything's in the locker room you gotta stay focused it's just different but you got to adapt to it too so that the kids can relate to you you know it's just a different world 
the kids, you know, are obsessed with the social media and their phones, and they're so worried about, you know, who's posting what and who's doing what that we try using the practice as two hours, hour and a half of just just play basketball, don't worry about anything. The second that they go in that locker room, the first thing they're doing is getting the phones. And like you said, you know, on the bus rides, everything, you just got to, you know, be stricter with the rules and the phones because they could easily take pictures at any point ever or record things or just a, it's a different world. Yeah. You just got to be, you know, stricter with it and just explain to them that, you know, it's, it's time to, to hoop and just – you know, not worry about what's going on on your phone. Yeah, you could probably relate to me because I'm always just the only male on staff. Yeah. I see these young girls, and I'm just always like, I don't want to be on News 12. Yeah. I don't want to say anything crazy. And, and even that, just the whole, you don't know if somebody's recording you. You don't know if a parent is right. watching you and perceiving something. So, like, even now, I feel like not up at arms, but more so, like, just careful. Just right. just do something. Don't do anything that you wouldn't feel comfortable if you saw a recording of it, yeah. you know, and I, you probably feel the same way. In terms of the training, I think you really took advantage of all of how the social media is because, I mean, if you look yeah. at your social media, like, also you probably leaned into a lot of the things you learned when you were doing track because I always see, like, all these yeah. biometric <laughs> workouts, and, you know, that's really conducive yeah. to the game of basketball. Um, talk about how you got into training, too. Yeah, so, I mean, like I said, I, I literally started at this place. It was called PTI. I don't know if you ever heard of them. They used to be, like, one-on-one facilities. It was 30-minute workouts, all for adults. I don't even know at the time. You know, I was making not much money, and I just started getting into it. And next thing I know, I'm there, you know, all day, every half hour, just training, training, training. And all the clients want to train with me, and I'm making, you know, nothing, and the place is making a killing. And I just, you know, teamed up with a few other people who were there. We left and we started our own place that I started in Northport. And I was there. I owned it for 12 years. And I was just growing out of that space. And I linked up with Darren Schneider from from here. He offered me an opportunity to partner up together. And honestly, I probably came here like 15 times because it was such a big decision for me because I've been at that other place for so long. Right. But when you come in here, I mean, and you just take one look, it's hard to turn down. Yeah. The opportunity is endless. There's two basketball courts in the facility. We have a huge turf field with more equipment than you can imagine. And I'm big on the plyometrics, the speed, agility. And we do a lot of strength stuff too, but I'm, I'm bigger with, the, with that kind of stuff, which is, you know, what this place is meant for. So we, we installed two pull-up bars. I don't know if you see them behind me. You know, we call it the dunk factory. So the basketball players, we simulate... A lot of basketball moves. One one bar is eight foot. One bar is nine foot. And we have heavy medicine balls or sand balls that help train their strength in their shoulders. And they got to explode and dunk it over the bar. So that kind of got big with the kids. And we do all kinds of movements that they would do on the court with the bar to simulate what they would do physically on the basketball court. But now they have a ball that's a little heavier. So when they get on the court, it's training them to to just be stronger when they're exploding and working on that footwork that they have on specifically for basketball. For the other athletes, there's other things we have, but our basketball is our highest level of athletes that we have, and they we just kind of put it in and it kind of took off. But it's funny, I used to train, um, I still train him now, Ash Yakubu. He plays for the Long Island Nets. He played at High, and I used to train him in Northport, and he would always bother me about, you know, you got to get it Instagram, you got to start social media. And I just, I wasn't that guy. I'm not the guy that's going to post videos of myself working out and like you see all these Instagram fitness people there's no no shirts on bench pressing jumping and doing all this crazy stuff that's just not me it's like just so just do your athletes so I was like all right so I started doing it and it took off and the place I was at I used the name of the place as my Instagram 
And when I left, I just felt, I just wanted positive energy when I left. So I gave that, you know, to them so they could still use it. I mean, all the kids now are like, imagine if you still kept that one, how many more mm. people you would have. But I just, I just didn't feel right taking it, even though I did it all and, you know, and ran the whole thing. So I literally started this one from scratch. And it's funny how the kids just want to be on the story and they want to be on Instagram. And when they all watch it, you know, it looks so cool. And then when they come here, they're like, man, I didn't realize how hard it is. And I, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's funny. Everyone wants to do a dunk factory until they get over and do it. Yeah. And it's hard. I mean, the, the workouts are intense. The social media really helps grow the business. So that's kind of like with the coaching. You know, you, got, you just got to adapt to, to the world today. Even though I'm not big with it, you, just, you have to be if you want you want to get more clients. So we, I try to get every kid who comes in, show them the love that they came in. And at the end of the day, I'm just promoting my athletes. So, right. you know, there's still so much content that I have that I haven't even posted just because I'm so busy. And, you know, I just get caught up and then too late. So, you know, I, I just try promoting all the kids who come, whether they're getting ready for the NBA draft or they just want to make their middle school team. It's, it's just a wide variety of kids, but they all want the same goal at the end of the day, just right. to be better at what they're doing. Mm. It's fun, but the Instagram, it's funny how kids... You know, they now, love it. They now, feel like they're superstars. Oh, yeah. Now they, you know, they're trying to get me to do TikTok. So I, I, made, a, <laughs> I made a TikTok account. I already told them, you know, I'm not dancing. We're not doing any of that. I'll promote the kids on, on it and we'll do stuff, but... You know, it's just, it's a lot of work on top of what you have. I mean, the social media itself is a full-time job if you really want it to, to grow and, and stay, you know, relevant every day. It's hard. I know the feeling. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, I, you know, so sometimes now I have, you know, some of the some of the, the people who work for me help, you know, help do stuff with it just because it's, it's just too much to do. You know, I got to train the kids. I don't have time to, you know, take my phone out and start videoing kids. You know, it's what they want too, so it's hard. Got right. balance. But at the same time, it sells itself. Yeah. So that's that's completely awesome. And you said you had a wide variety of kids that you train, whether they're trying to get ready for the NBA draft or their middle school team. Just talk about how do you assess what a kid needs to get them to the next level? Do you have just a, a preliminary speech of, of what their goals are and then you just try to align and, and tailor it to what they what they need? Yeah. So basically when they first come in, you know, we try sitting with them and seeing what they what they really want out of the workout. Some of the younger kids who, who come in just really just want to get faster, stronger. They see the older kids. And what we do is we kind of have everyone all together in the class, which is kind of cool too. And then we split them up by age, ability, you know, but they're all in the facility at the same time. So the kid in seventh grade could go home and tell his mom, like, hey, guess who I worked out with today? You know, even though they might not necessarily have worked out with them, they're working out at the same time. So it's really cool. And it's fun when the college kids are home and they're here helping the younger kids, you know, do some of the stuff, especially the new kids who come. I've had a college kid who's, who's been here for a while and they know kind of how everything goes. They go over and help the younger kids. So it's just a, it's a positive atmosphere. Everyone's got good energy. But based on their sport and, you know, what they really want to, to accomplish, you know, we try to focus on that and then split them up based on, you know, like I said, their age, ability, and then we get right into it. It's, it's funny because sometimes some of the older kids who – you know, are more athletic and stronger, you know, that are new, that come in, really don't know what they're getting into until we're about 10 minutes in, and they're like, man, this is no joke. You know, it's just, it's just a different type of workout, and it's not really, it's not meant for everyone either, but it's a, it's a definitely fun atmosphere, but very serious too, so most of the kids who come are pretty locked in and focused, otherwise it's really not for, for you, you know, it's not a fun daycare babysitting kind of place. Um, the workouts are tailored more for the higher level kids or kids that are just more serious doesn't really matter their skill level if they got the mentality to push through and 
and fight, you know, then this is for them. Right. Both of these passions are deeply rooted in uh, athletics. What do you like more, coaching or training? I don't know. It's 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 different. Like the the training. It's funny because a lot of these kids who come here are like, man, they don't see like see my coaching side. You know, where I'm a little more intense and loud, and we're here. I'm just you know more chill and smiling and laughing. So I'm definitely like two different personalities when it comes to the coaching. It's hard to really say what what I like more. Not having the basketball season now makes you really take it for granted almost. You know, because we might not play, you know, and uh, when I wasn't training for those few months, it was hard. I missed it. I wanted to, I, you know, I wanted to go in and, and do stuff even though we weren't allowed to. But I don't know. I don't know which one I like more. It's just I like the balance that, you know, come the winter, it kind of gives me a break from the training. And I go do the basketball. And then when the season's over, you know, I, I go back. But it's a whole different world during the season. The mentality is just the stressful difference when you're in season versus not in season. You know, constantly thinking about what, who we're playing next, what they're running, what we're going to run, who's on their team, just the, all the, the things of coaching. Do you think that training gives you competitive advantage in terms of, like, you know what this kid needs to do in season to get to the next level to excel during the season? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, for, for the most part, a lot of the kids that I play against, I train. So it's funny when they come. Everyone's that's not got fair. It. Yeah, they, <laughs> that's why they, you know they trash talk. We trash talk to each other, all in good fun. I definitely know most the majority of the athletes in Long Island that you know play basketball. That's interesting. Yeah, that's just that's just so interesting. Um, I, can't, I can't get them too fast or too strong though. You know, yeah. especially if they're in our, if they're in our league, then I I, I can't go. Uh, <laughs> In terms of uh, players that you've coached and also people that you've trained, just just talk about some of the memorable people that you've been associated with in your whole career so far. I would say Ash was definitely one. He, you know, I, I started with him, and now he's with the Long Island Nets. He was, you know, he's a great kid. He played at Villanova, and then Les, Lester, he, he played at, he's from Brentwood, but he's St. Benedict's and IMG. He's at Memphis right now with Coach Penny Hardaway. I've been with him a while, and, you know, we're really close he had his college announcement here, so we've you know we've built a really strong relationship. And he's a kid that you know I'm hoping makes it to that next level. Eventually, you know, I don't know what's going to happen this year with the season, but this would be his year to to really show out and and make some noise in the tournament and go to the draft next year. How that plays out with the season, I don't know, but I just hope he's given the opportunity. But you know, he's someone I'm very close with. And Chase um, Audige, he's. Originally from Longwood, um, but another kid who left, he didn't play here. He went to Malloy, then he went to the Hill School in Pennsylvania, and he's at Northwestern right now. He, he'll definitely be a future pro as well. He's probably the uh, the best example I, I trust telling these kids of hard work. He's one of the hardest working kids I've ever worked with, and he's got all the tools to, to get him to the ne- that next level. So I just hope you know he gets the opportunity as well this season playing for – uh, Doug Collins' son, so hopefully, you know, he gets an opportunity as well. And, it, you know, it's cool from my perspective, too, because I see them when they were younger and how they grow. And that's always more fun for me, to see them go through the process and the struggles. And, you know, it's not all rainbows and butterflies. A lot of these younger kids think, oh, I want to go and play D1. And, they, you know, they really don't know what it what it takes and how hard it is and the struggles that get you there. Those few guys, I really hope that, you know, they get an opportunity to at least show what they can do. Otherwise, we just work all summer again and they, and they get back to work. It's just part of the process. But it's fun seeing, you know, watching them on TV and seeing the process from a few years ago when they were just in high school 
and now they have an opportunity to you right. know, to play against you know LeBron James. I mean, it's 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 cool. I'd be terrified yeah. to play LeBron James. Um, <laughs> is that is that the time like when when they don't know what time it is to get to the D one? That's when you give them that first day of Brockport. Speech? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, you guys go. I try telling them, you know, boys and girls, go. Go see CW Post play Malloy or NYIT. See how good those kids are. And then you could be honest with yourself, watch that game, and tell me if you could play at that level. There's just the athleticism, the difference. And, you know, I've trained a lot of kids who play locally too as well, and it's fun to go see them play. But just that level of athleticism and skill is just, it's just different because you're doing great in your high school games. Who are you playing against? Who's guarding you? Can you do that against somebody that is six five and a point guard? Just a, a different, a different level. So I try yeah, explaining. I give them that speech, or I'll, you know, a lot of these college kids, I'll use them to talk to them and hear from a kid who's going through it, and work with them maybe all summer and, and kind of get in their ear. The ones that, you know, I, I think have a chance to to go somewhere with it. Try having them you know, be their role model in a sense. Mm just for the summer while they're home. Although now it'll be a little different because these kids are coming home in a few weeks from right. college. Mm-hmm. So it's a different situation again. Yeah, everything is still crazy. Yeah. And, of course, this is the rant, so i got to at least ask you this. You know, all this time, just training, coaching, and, of course, you playing, what has your perception of officials been all this time? Just in general? Yeah, in general. I'm, 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 the refs love me. <laughs> oh, yeah? <laughs> the refs love me. Ex-Leon. I'm pretty good, honestly, with the, with the officials. I know most of them. On the girls' side, some of them, I don't even know how they're allowed to ref, you know, some of the games. But some of the better officials are really, really good. I don't even know Chuck and Monica. You know, they're, they're unbelievable. Yeah. So the, Monica always busts my chops because I'm a blue devil, and she's, she's not. She's the best, I think, and Chuck. They're both very, very good. But some, some of the officials just, I don't know, at the girls' level especially, Boys are much better, but one, the boys' game, the, if you go and watch a boys' game, you see how the coaches talk to the refs. It's a whole different world than if a girl coach spoke like that, they'd be thrown out of the game. Yeah. But there's some officials who are horrific <laughs> on the girls' side. Like, I don't even know. Do you even know the rules? Yeah, I can tell you some crazy stories of some calls we had. I try to stay pretty calm with them because at the end of the day, the ones that I know really don't belong. Right. It's not even worth arguing because they don't even know, you know, what's going on. Especially now, it, there's kind of a shortage of refs with this whole thing going on, you know, because a lot of officials don't really, you know, want to run the risk either. Right. Which will be another issue. I don't know how that's going to work, too, because how many, do you have one ref? Do you have two refs? I don't know. You know will you have enough if you have so many games? But I, I would say I'm, I'm not as bad as I used to be with the officials. Definitely back in the day, the younger years when you're fresh out of, you know, school and, yeah, yeah and you know it all. I had my share of fair words. But I would say, honestly, in my 12 years, well, I did JV for three, 11, so probably like 14, 15 years. I think I only got one technical. That's not bad. Yeah, not bad Not bad for <laughs> not uh, bad. telling everyone that, that they don't know what they're doing. Um, so it's safe to say that you probably would never ref yourself, right? Um, I Honestly, I used to when I was younger. Um, in high school, I would do like the CYO locally. Well, actually, someone once told me that I should – if I wanted to really play at the next level, it would be good to coach and ref and play to really learn all the different, I don't know what the word is, Aspects, angles yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, of the game. And it's hard, man. I give the refs so much credit. It's not easy. I don't know if I, I just don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I could handle all the, you know, you just got to ignore everything and just lock into the game. You know, I know all the rules to that extent, but I wouldn't, you know, I got to learn where to go, what to do, where to stand for all the different possessions. 
but it's a lot easier when you're standing on the sideline telling them oh, what yeah. to do when you're of running course. up and down. You got to make the calls. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, it's not as easy as people think. Yeah, I, I prefer the coaching. Definitely. I'm happy that you're empathetic towards yeah. that thought of, of saying, like, yeah, I'm, I'm standing easy. here yeah. and it's my team <laughs> and it's it's going against me. And right. I got something to say. Just talk about your mentors, who they are, what do you think they've done for your career, and how do you think they've shaped the way you've helped people after you? I would say, so I worked under, I mean, Harborfield, I worked under Russ Tejan, unbelievable coach. He won tons of games at Harborfields. Now he's the, uh, the Comac coach. Um, and I think one of the things that he was really good at was teaching. And I think that gets lost a lot nowadays because I just feel like the attention span of teaching kids nowadays is, is much quicker. You got to really get to the point and tell them what you want to do. They don't want to hear the whole story of why you're doing something. But he was, he was great at teaching and coming up with different analogies of why we're doing certain things or maybe why not to be afraid of failing and just teaching the X's and O's aspect too. Because I think, you know, over the years, what I've learned also from him and, uh, and other coaches is that it's really not all about that. You can have the best plays in the world, but if your kids aren't buying in, you're not going to win. It doesn't right. matter what talent you have. So at the end of the day, the kid's got to be able to run through a wall for you or you're not really going to go too far. And on the, on the fitness side, you know, I kind of, in the beginning, just, I, I, you know, my friend that I went to high school with was like, come work with me at this training place. And to think that I would be here now doing all these, these athletes, you know, I was just doing it because my parents were like, you can't just work camps every other week in the summer. You got to do something else. But to, to here now, I mean, I really kind of did it you know, by myself, I didn't really have a mentor in the in the fitness world. But being in the fitness world, same as coaching, there's just so many egos with everybody that I just kind of learned from different people. And, you, you know, there's always somebody that knows something that you could take a little bit, you know, so I would take a little bit from everyone, and that's kind of how you learn. Same with coaching, yeah. same with training. I don't know it all, and I, I'm always willing to learn from somebody. And, you know, that's why... You know, I team up with so many different basketball people and trainers because I just want to team up with everyone and learn from everyone, and I'll, you know, give them insight as well, but you could always get something from somebody. Jerry Powell, very close with, too, on the basketball training side. You know, he's got the best kids from the area come here, and, you know, I, I try sending guys to all different basketball trainers, and I explain to the kids and the trainer that, I'm not, I don't team up with a specific basketball trainer. It's all about who you connect with and who's, you know, same with the basketball. They're not going to teach you something that the next guy's not going to teach you, but who do you connect with that you're really going to learn from? And that's the key. Same with my world, same with coaching. It's all about the, you know, you can know every exercise in the world. And I've had trainers who are unbelievable. They just couldn't connect with the kids. The kids just didn't like their vibes and their egos got in the way. And, and that's the biggest problem, I think, with both industries and basketball, fitness, coaching, you know, training in general, that you got to have the relationship with the kids that they know that you care about them. And it's not just, hey, come work out and pay me. It's got to be more than that. And I mean, obviously you have to know what you're doing. You can't just have kids doing crazy exercises. But I think the most important thing in everything is the relationships that I have with the athletes that I have. Yeah, I, I think you got it all all squared away. I mean, it's, it's always going to be rooted in somebody that cares and you know, you can really get caught up in this game, right? You start seeing yeah. some other people, especially like if I was a trainer and I was trying to start, I'm like, yeah, I, can't, exactly. I can't compete with this guy. <laughs> this guy has all these athletes. He got he has a professional photographer, but you know, it's all about you. You yeah. have to start and, and you have to start somewhere. And you know, funny that you said that 
you think you feel like you know it all in the beginning, yeah. and then you realize the the more time you go and the more connections you get, you realize you don't know anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. After everything you said, what do you think of the attributes? What do you think it took to get to where you are at this moment in time as a basketball coach and as a trainer? Telling these kids that if they want to play college sports, the grind that I put in over the years of training. I mean, I was training 6 in the morning till 11, 12 straight. No breaks, just one person after another. Literally would eat lunch and then like 1, 2 o'clock go from like 2 to 8 and then just do it again. Getting, you know, I don't even know at the time, maybe it was $10 a person or an hour. Probably wasn't even for the half hour, for an hour. Even when I opened my own place, you know, I was just grinding and grinding all early morning, middle of the day, get a little break, and then we're right back at it. You know, and, and that's kind of where I'm at now. I just keep keep grinding, training kids, and it's nonstop. You know, we're packed here from 2 to 8 p.m., and we keep adding, you know, more times. And then come next month, we'll have stuff going on in the daytime for the college kids. It's a lot of hard work that, you know, you don't see on the Instagram and the social media, the behind-the-scenes stuff that, that we do to, to get to where we are. That's why it's important for me to get you on wax because, you know, I think when somebody looks at your Instagram, you think about all of the, all of the things that you do, and you're like, wow, this is, this is amazing. And the same thing with the podcast. Like, I spent endless hours right. editing, yeah. taking the pictures, editing the photos, exactly. making, putting it on the website. So it's like all of that unsung time that you're doing – it's it's happy that we can recognize that because I think you you do a phenomenal job. I mean, look at this. Thank it's you. like a well-oiled yeah. machine over here. Yeah. It's crazy. No, I was just saying, it's not even like just the training, you know, so you might have workouts from 2 to 8 or whatever, 3 to 8. It's all day, you know, in this fitness world or in, you know, having your own business world, you're on your phone 24-7, you know, whether it's me checking in with the kids. Tell you know. me it's not awful. Yeah. It's awful. There's no, there's no and off say, time. And I think I, I knew you understood because yeah. every time, like, I would talk to you and then it would be like ground shipping yeah, yeah. when we talked again. I'm like, because he's just as busy yeah. as I am. And it's, like, completely understandable right. because, dude, I'm, I feel like I'm drowning in phone calls. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's true. I mean, you know, whether it's me checking in with a kid or, like you said, having to, I have to do something on social media, whether it's editing something or Having my you know person create an edit for a kid who just committed, or a video, or you know now I've got a video. Now what am I saying in the post? And now this other kid's texting me while I'm trying to figure out what I'm saying on you know on social media. And then I'm calling a kid or calling a parent back or calling somebody who's new and interested or checking in on a kid that just came for the first time. And then you're here and two o'clock hits and then it's straight through till eight. 8 o'clock, and then you're not just done at 8. Now I have all the messages from the people who reach out to me all day, and I'm on my way home, and, you know, and I'm calling them and doing that and whatever, and they wake up and do it again. And we're here, I'm, you know, seven days a week. You know, we got no off days. That's just how I work. I just want to keep going and going and keep growing and growing. Like, like I said before, I love the variety of kids, the challenge of a younger kid. Obviously, the, the higher-level athletes are fun because they're so athletic, the creativity for exercises is endless. But it's also fun for me to work with some of the younger kids who just want to dunk. And, you know, we've had so many kids from the second we started till now who, you know, send me a video of their first dunk and, like, how cool that is for them. Fire. They're just a kid, you know. Some of them are young, ninth grade, 10th grade, and they got their first dunk, and they're texting me the video, and, you know, you see the smile on their face, and they told me the first day, all I want to do is dunk. And now they got it. Come and it's hard work, but they achieved that goal that they that they wanted to do. You know, it's not getting a Division One scholarship. It's you know just them dunking, and that's cool. That's great. Yeah. yeah. 
What do you think it's going to take to get to where you want to go? And ultimately, where do you want to go as a coach and as a trainer? Coaching-wise, you know, I, I just love coaching. I love being with the kids. We have a good team this year. We have a good opportunity the next two years to make a run in Suffolk, uh, depending on what happens. You know, when I was younger, I always wanted to coach in college and be a college coach. I had opportunities to be assistant at some of the D2 local schools. Timing just wasn't, didn't work for me. But now that I'm growing the fitness side of things, it's hard too. If I really wanted to do the coaching, I have to totally commit, just be all in. You know, if I wanted to really go to that next level. But right now, time in my life, you know, having younger kids, you know, I want to be around for them. And, you know, with the fitness world and my schedule, I could definitely be more flexible especially being close to home. But on the fitness side, I would say, you know, just keep growing, keep growing and growing. We have some extremely high-level lacrosse players who come, soccer players, basketball. You know, those are our three main sports. So definitely grow that more. You know, I'd love to work with current NBA player. My goal is to get some of my guys to be that level. Definitely someone who's been in the league. You know, I've never really been with somebody who's had experience in the NBA you know, training somebody like that, that would be a different workout for me. That would be fun, you know, even though they're not as consistent because they're only home for a short period of time. But definitely working with higher, higher level guys would be would definitely be fun. You know, a good challenge, yeah. you know, for me to change it up and challenge me, you know, exercise-wise. Train a lot of guys who have siblings who play at high levels. You know, so again, it's fun to work with the younger guys to see if they could you know, be the next one from Long Island to, to make some noise at the next level. Mm. Now, I know that since you just have coached for so many years and also just the, the amount of kids that are under your watch with the training, I'm pretty sure you've had a couple of sticky situations, if you can, whatever's appropriate. What is the most sticky situation that you've ever had as a coach, and what's the most sticky situation that you've ever had as a trainer? Uh, Training-wise, I think nothing really. Everything's been pretty good. Coaching, you know, just your normal I want more playing time, stuff like that. For the most part, I mean, we've been successful in the in the basketball world, so it's kind of hard to really complain or, or do things. And, you know, a lot of kids I do coach come here, so I am close with a lot of the, the players I have. And they know, you know, come basketball season when we're on the court, I'm not playing around. They know that it's, you know, it's different than probably any of the sport they play. And in the school, which they know, it's just a different level of seriousness. Nothing really sticky. You done seen it all. Yeah. I get you. Conversely, what do you think is your best moment as a trainer, and what's your best moment as a coach? Coaching-wise, we made it to the the final four um, with a team that I started with. This group was just a special group. We had I took them all up in eighth grade. There was five of them. It took two years to build, and their junior year we made it to the final four, and we lost actually at the Sage from East a charge that. Well, it wasn't a charge. It was an N1. I thought it was a charge. So there goes the, to me fighting with the refs. <laughs> with, like, seconds left in the game, the girl made the layup, got the N1, and they went up, I think it was three maybe, where if they got the charge, we win the game. We just, you know, inbound the ball, game's over. But that was probably uh, the best experience, I think, because we were at such a high stage, and those kids came so far. And they were only juniors. And the following year, we actually made it to the championship game. You know, that group, I would say, the journey we had from Summer League, I think we went 0-8, and, and then we were in the Suffolk County Finals two years in a row. Wow. You know, so just the, the process that we put into that team. What about as a trainer? And fitness-wise, I would say probably when Lester had his college commitment here, that was kind of a big deal. 
He's a huge name in Long Island, even though he went to IMG and St. Benedict's. He's originally from Brentwood. So this place was packed, you know, when you were allowed to pack buildings Super out. Super spreading event. And, uh, yeah, we had, uh, we had all kinds of, you know, the cameras and social media people, and we had it all set up. It was really cool. To me, he's just a high school kid, you know, at the end of the day. Yeah. And he was going to be, you know, a freshman at Memphis. And to these kids who came, it was like the coolest thing ever. You know, it's just funny because at the end of the day, he's, you know, he was 17 years old. I got to be there, experience it with him where we knew obviously where he was going, but no one, no one here knew. So it was a cool event. We had DJ, you know, we, we made it a live event. You know, I would say him, you know, making that big step to, to go play for Penny was probably, you know, the best, even though it wasn't a physical training situation. That's fruits of your yeah, labor, though. Just, just, for sure. Just being with him side by side where he made, you know, big time, extremely difficult decision. You know, he made the right choice because he's very close with with the coach, and he's, you know, he's loving his, his experience. Was it because of the barbecue, aside yeah. from Coach Hardaway? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and he, you know, he's very close with Coach Miller as well, who actually is not there this season, but he learned a lot from him. Great shooter. Les is a great shooter, so they kind of had, had a lot of battles shooting and stuff in practice. And, I mean, to learn from two NBA players that you yeah. know, had great, great careers doesn't get much better than that. If your dream is to make it, you know, to that point, I mean, they'll tell you everything. Those are the guys you got to learn from and the hard work that it takes. Like you said, not just the videos you see of him on Instagram that, you know, 6 a.m. when no one knows that you're in the gym, getting a thousand shots up and then doing it again a few hours later and going to class and working out and, you know, just that grind of of trying to make it. For sure, man. And that grind is going to continue with you. And, and those grinds, of course, are the foundation of basketball. My final question to you is, what does basketball mean to you? What has it given to you in your life? From a young age, I just loved playing, and it gave me the opportunity to play at the next level and, and make great friends and memories and connections with people, contacts that I have in, in basketball from playing from when I was in high school. You know, these guys are still coaching now. You know, I'm coaching against them or coaching high school coaches that I, I grew up playing against that I worked their camps. Just the whole basketball community is unbelievable. Gave me just an, a way to just play and not worry about anything and just hoop. I mean, I haven't played in a while. Those days are over. These kids all, you know, run their mouths and want to play me, but I know my limits too. Yeah. Uh, some of the high school kids maybe. I'll give them some buckets. I just love playing and I love coaching, and I try, you know, sharing that experience with these kids so that they can understand what it takes to, to get – that next level because that's life you know whether it's basketball or life it's all the same lessons it's the hard work and drive i mean i definitely miss miss playing that that competitive atmosphere you know playing in front of big crowds and different being a coach and a trainer but still fun yeah i mean listen this to me this is your calling yeah. I mean, look at this they're, they're doing cleans i mean i'm just really impressed right now about what's going on but listen Continued success in everything that you do, leading all those young ladies at Huntington High School, yeah. and of course, all these incredible athletes that you get to see that where they get their first dunk or their yeah. first NBA contract. I think uh, all the success is merited. And put me in the stable so I can take some pictures yeah. for you too, man. Right. Any final words you want to say before we part ways? No, that's it. We got to get you the dunk factory. Where's the seven foot one? I don't see the seven foot one. Eight foot or the nine foot. <laughs> Whenever I'm ready. But for Mike Kaplan. All right, my man. Thank you so much. No problem, man. Ralph the ref. This is the rant. We are signing out. Peace.